When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to juggle all over the world and then count down the top five times of the day. My goal is like, I'm just going to try. Like, it doesn't matter what I do. I don't have to succeed at it on video. I don't have to be great. I just have to post something just to get me out of bed and feel like, you know, honestly, feel like I don't have to hate myself today. Like, that's was the mentality. You know, I've taught a lot of people to juggle and I see people get in their own way about it all the time. Like they just have decided that they can't do it. So they don't even try a hobby that some people associate with like being geeky or nerdy or clowns or whatever, but it can end up being really lucrative and really fun and really fulfilling and you get to see the world and it's great. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Our first guest has this amazing inspirational story because it starts out with juggling. And there is so much that goes into juggling and being a professional juggler that I had just no idea about. But beyond that, what I think is so inspirational is about it is she's somebody that's been struggling with depression. And just said, I need to do something. I need to create something. And it has turned into this remarkable community. This is Taylor Glenn from Taylor Tries. What was the first thing that you ever juggled? Ooh, the first thing I ever juggled, uh, baseballs, actually. I I taught myself how to juggle three baseballs while playing baseball uh, when I was about 10 or 11, I think. Was it just you were bored, kind of waiting for the for your next turn at bat, or how did it happen? Uh, exactly. Yeah, I was just, I think it was maybe a practice, and I thought that the people going ahead of me were boring and taking too long, and so I picked up three, and I just kind of figured it out for a half hour and eventually was able to do it. I don't even remember if I had seen somebody else do it or where I even understood the concept of juggling, but that's... That's my memory of actually figuring it out was just boredom. <laughs> I, I feel like everybody has basically tried to do juggling at one point. Where? Yeah. Why, why did you succeed while other people fail? Uh, that's a great question. I think for me, one of the things that I – a trait that I have as a person is that I tend to – I just am very motivated. I'll, I'll do something until I can figure it out. 
And even today, you know, I've taught a lot of people to juggle and I see people get in their own way about it all the time. Like they just have decided that they can't do it. So they don't even try or they'll try for five minutes and then they'll get frustrated and get bored or something. But uh, the people that succeed at it, it has nothing to do with talent or coordination or anything like that. It's just a matter of whether they were able to get past that little frustration of, oh, I dropped and messed up at some point. You just have to get past that. And if you can, then you can learn how to juggle. Like everyone who does is able to learn. It's not as hard as people think it is. But you have to be pretty coordinated though, right? No, not at all. This is a total misconception. Uh, I I personally think that coordination is yeah, developed, not something that you're necessarily born with. I think people develop it very young and certain people are more coordinated. Absolutely. I'm a very coordinated person. But I, I think that's because I juggle, not I don't juggle because I'm coordinated. Um, and yeah, ha- having coordination, playing other sports is going to help you if you want to learn how to juggle. But I would say anyone can learn. I've taught like, you know, 85 year old grandmas how to juggle. <laughs> I've taught people who are nearly blind how to juggle, like who are like legally blind or who have no depth perception. Like there's really no excuse. It's not about your coordination it's about your determination that makes kind of sense it does look like one of those things that okay if i just did this enough times i would eventually be able to do it yeah i think that's true for most things honestly yeah i would agree with Mm -hmm. you there some (laughs) some, i guess some sports slash athletic activities like look it doesn't matter how many times i do this i'm not going to be a professional gymnast though Well, and there's a difference between being able to do something and being a professional at it. Like, I don't think most people can become a professional juggler. I think at some point you're like, you're too old or you're not, you know, you don't have the time and the energy to put into it. I don't think I'm good enough to be a quote unquote professional in the sense of like doing it for my job or like doing it at an Olympic level or something. Not that there's an Olympic juggling team. But I, was about were, to, I was about to ask you, it's like, wait a minute, when did juggling get well, into the Olympics? They've been trying for a while, but there is like, there are professional competitions, right? And I, I'm not a good enough technical juggler to be in those, although I would consider myself a professional um, compared to most people. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, okay, so technically, what do you mean you're not technically good enough? Like you don't do the right spins or what do you what do you mean by that <laughs> i just in sense in in the sense of you know there are the elite in the world right the top if there was an olympic uh, competition for juggling there would be like the top 10 jugglers that would compete in it i'm not one of those people <laughs> but i would be somebody who could like you know compete in like maybe the american one or the california one like i'm good enough to do it professionally if there was a a competition market for that but i would not be considered one of the best in the world who could actually hold their own in like a competition with the best uh by any means you seem to be the most famous juggler though or at least social media famous why thanks yeah well that's the funny thing is like the popularity wise i am one of the most popular i'm actually probably the second like most popular social media juggler there's another juggler named josh horton who he's not really known for juggling though. Uh, he's a trick shot, trick shooter, basketball person, but he does juggle and he is like a very good juggler and he has far more social media presence than I do, but he's been doing it a long time. (laughs) But, uh, in terms of actual juggling, like somebody who's out there just being a juggler. 
yeah, I guess you could say that I'm one of the main ones, if not the top one. <laughs> does that does that bother other people who would be like in the top ten technical jugglers? Does that cause any strife at the or anything like that? Where like, yeah, but she's just social media famous. I mean, is there anything like that? <laughs> I think I think with any subgroup, there's always drama for sure. Uh, there. I, I encountered it more when I first started kind of gaining steam on social media. I encountered a lot of, not a lot, but a few people who would get a little high and mighty about how the, I wasn't posting very hard tricks or I wasn't representing like the best juggling out there. But that was also kind of my intention. I, I don't, I don't want to show people like the hardest things because I don't want people to feel like they can't do it. I want to make it accessible because I do think anyone can learn how to juggle and as great as it is to see somebody do, you know, nine balls with complicated patterns, I don't think anyone who's like learning needs to see that. I think it's it can be either inspiring for you or it can be really detrimental and make you afraid of juggling. So for me, I've always taken the approach of showing very accessible tricks that I think normal people can do. And so I took that approach very early on and I definitely got some some backlash from it, from the community for it. Like people thought I was overrated or I wasn't worth the amount of attention I was getting or whatever. But for the most part, I would say the community is very supportive and they're just happy that jugglers are being seen and, you know, not made fun of and stuff. <laughs> just, I guess, you know, I, that makes sense to me in the sense that as a lay person watching it, I'm not any more impressed by nine balls than I am by six. Like, yeah, I, exactly. At some point, you just don't even know what's happening. You're like, oh, there's a lot of stuff in the air. Cool. You know, jugglers get really nerdy about it. And they're like, oh, that's a cool pattern and a sight swap and all this stuff. Non-jugglers are like, yeah, she's doing maybe seven, maybe eight, 12. You know. Yeah, once it passes four, I really can't count. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. That's more than four. I know that. That's for sure. So And it's so much harder, but nobody really cares if you're not a juggler. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Isn't that the way of the world? This is much more difficult, but no one cares. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Juggler's life. Yep. So how how did you kind of progress down this path necessarily? Um, for me, it was being in, exposed to other jugglers. Uh, you know, I think this is a really important part of any sort of hobby and getting interested in things. It's changing a little bit with the internet, but when I was younger, I learned three balls and then I kind of felt all accomplished and was like, sweet, I did it. I don't have to do anything else. I didn't know there was more to it. I didn't know you could do four balls or five balls or even three ball tricks. And then at some point there was a family friend who actually did yo-yo and he also could juggle. <laughs> and he kind of showed me, Hey, look, there's a lot of cool tricks you can do. And it opened up my world. And I started going to the internet and like at the time there was no YouTube, but I was looking up, you know, blog posts and stuff of tricks to do and watching little mp4 videos and eventually youtube helped with being exposed to other jugglers that way and then i started going to juggling events and competitions and festivals and conventions and that's when it really like took off because being exposed to other people who are way better than you will just make you infinitely better were you surprised at the social media success oh over the uh, last couple years yeah I started posting like two years ago and I was definitely surprised at how quickly it started gaining traction. I mean, two years might seem like a long time for some people, but 
for me, it was like, I was just doing this thing that I liked. And I actually just had a goal for myself that I wanted to post every day, something on Instagram. And that always just ended up being juggling and people just really responded to it. I was, I was surprised in the sense that I didn't know that juggling could reach that many people and like speak to that many people. Cause I don't think all of them juggle. I think a lot of the followers that follow me just like watching it, which is surprising. So, yeah. But I also understand that it's a visual, it's a cool looking thing. Like I'm glad that people like it and that that doesn't surprise me cause it's really cool. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm always impressed. I'm like, Oh, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there a big difference between juggling like baseballs and juggling bowling pins or, I mean, is it the same concept or is it like, Hey, you can juggle this, but you can't juggle this. <laughs> kind of, uh, baseballs and bowling pins are not exactly what we juggle, but they're definitely related. Um, in juggling, we have three basic props, right? There are juggling balls, which vary in what kind of weight they are and what kind they are. There's juggling clubs, which are the bowling pin looking things. Um, and then there are juggling rings. Those are like the typical three props that we use. And they're all very different for sure. Like usually you start with balls. They're the easiest because there's no spin aspect. Then you go to rings. They're a little bit harder because they're, they're just shaped weird and you have to catch them a certain way. And then clubs are the final piece. And they're definitely harder because there's a spin aspect. There's a weight distribution aspect. But overall, once you learn the basic pattern, I don't think that they're too hard to go from thing to thing. How but much- for example, five balls is a lot easier than five clubs. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So to help me understand this, so on a scale of one to ten, one is the easiest, ten is the hardest. Juggling okay. five balls would be what on that scale? Juggling five clubs would be what on that scale? Ooh. <laughs> That's hard because juggling isn't there's not like a limit, right? It's very hard to see the end because right now, I mean, we're always pushing that limit every year. Uh, People are being able to juggle more and more objects. I would say like personally, for example, of like the hardest things I can do versus the easiest things, I'd say juggling five balls is maybe four or five. Like it's, it's advanced, but not the hardest advanced thing, but it did take a couple of years for me to learn. And I think it usually does. But five clubs, I've been working on five clubs for like six years, and I, I still just don't have it solid. So I, I would say five clubs is like a, an eight or a nine. But I don't know if everyone would say that. That's just me. <laughs> have you ever been injured doing it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I I have a scar on my lip, actually. But it was from juggling rings. Because rings are very thin plastic pieces of uh, you know, plastic. They're, they're thin. They tend to kind of have rough edges. I don't know why, but they're designed that way. And if you throw them up really high and they come down, they're coming down really fast. So I tried to do a trick that I wasn't ready for. I was juggling five rings, and the goal was to throw all uh, three of them up, spin around really fast, and then go back into juggling five rings. I was not capable of doing this trick (laughs) but i wanted to try it anyway i got cocky and i threw the three up i spun around and one of them just came right down on my lip hit me square in the middle of my face and i actually woke up like i had passed out uh it hit me so hard (laughs) with my lip cut open and blood everywhere that's that's the dumbest stupidest injury that i've ever gotten 
It knocked you, <laughs> it knocked yeah. you out? Yeah, probably only for a couple of seconds, but I I remember getting hit and then all of a sudden I was on the floor and I woke up with a lot of blood on me. <laughs> yeah, it definitely knocked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I, but the typical injury is like broken fingernails and, you know, your hands get banged up a little bit, but nothing too bad. So now, is this the full-time job? Can you make can you make a living off of it? A lot of people make a living juggling. Yeah, it's actually a really great job for a lot of people. Uh, usually, you're performing for um, corporate events, or a lot of people have been doing like sporting events. It's not always, and it's not typically like a birthday party and stuff. That's what people think of. They think of clowns. That's a totally different type of job. There's jugglers and there's clowns. Sometimes they'll do both, but for the most part, jugglers do more like parties and events for like adults um, and clowns are doing clowning <laughs> so you can make good money i know a lot of friends that do it and love it and they make a great living doing it i don't do it professionally in that sense i do it on social media and i do make money that way but i don't perform as a juggler for my full-time job okay but you don't do it for free all the time necessarily either right yeah, I typically, when I do perform, I'm usually performing at juggling festivals. They I, they will either pay me or pay my way to go as a special guest, and I'll teach and I'll perform, and I get to see the world that way. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we had a couple of podcast episodes ago, and by couple, I probably mean 10 or 20. We had a guy, he's a professional yo-yoer, and he would always say, yeah. he's like, yeah, my my friends kind of give me a hard time, but then I get to go to Japan for free. And who's laughing awesome. now? <laughs> I might know him. I mean, the yo-yo community and the juggling community are similar. So sometimes there's a crossover, but yeah, it's, it's very similar in that sense. Like, you know, it's this kind of weird hobby that some people associate with like being geeky or nerdy or clowns or whatever, but it can end up being really lucrative and really fun and really fulfilling and you get to see the world and it's great. <laughs> I'm going to Australia in a couple months for it. And that's, I would never be able to do that without juggling. Like I just wouldn't have the money and all that. When, when you say really lucrative, are we talking like millions? Are we talking hundreds of thousands? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I would say no, definitely not. <laughs> I don't know any jugglers that are making like millions, but there are some really successful jugglers who have made it work, uh, particularly doing motivational type speaking and incorporating juggling that way or doing corporate events, and team building and things like that. That's probably the most successful route that I've seen. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Not mansions, but you're not eating ramen noodles either necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they make really good money, like, but it's not they're not Bill Gates, you know? <laughs> yeah. But okay. How come you, why don't you want it? How come you're not doing that? I guess is it just, you haven't been established enough or it's just, you want to, it's too short term or what's the reason not to kind of push it all the way? Cause you certainly seem to have the, <laughs> the fame necessarily. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it's uh, different. People get into juggling for different reasons. And for me, juggling has never been, a performing type thing. It's always been something that I did. I treated it like a sport. Uh, I really love the the mental exercise of it, the physical exercise. Like it, it's physically, it feels like you're working out, you know, you're doing a lot of bicep, it's cardio. 
And I love just going into a gym and putting on my headphones and juggling for two hours and like sweating and doing that. Uh, some people really like the social aspect of it. Some people really like performing and like, you know, being watched and being on. I am not somebody who tends to be really good at being in front of a crowd and performing. I'm good in video, <laughs> but that's that's been learned over 10 years. I'm actually really shy and I have a really hard time like getting on, on a stage in front of people. So the idea of doing that as my job freaks me out. <laughs> I would like to eventually incorporate some of that in, into my life from my social media stuff, but it's not the thing that has been pushing me this whole time. It's not my dream. So that's why I haven't done it. Hardest thing to juggle. The hardest thing to juggle besides life. Life is really hard. (laughs) Um, I would say like the hardest physical thing. If you're asking of the typical juggling props, like balls, clubs, et cetera, like clubs are the hardest. I mentioned that. But if you're asking just like of random things, I would say for me personally, it's difficult to juggle things of different weights. It's not necessarily the things themselves. It's just like you might see a performer juggle a bowling ball, an egg, and a scarf or something. That's really difficult because your brain is having to input three different weights and keep track of where they are. Because if you try to throw an egg with the same force that you throw a bowling ball, the thing is going to go flying. And if you try to throw a bowling ball with no force, you're going to break your arm. So that's really difficult. I've had a hard time doing that if I'm juggling like something really heavy and something really light. It really messes with your brain. I find it really hard. How many Guinness Book of World Records do you have? <laughs> I only have one. Huh. I mean, I say only one. I'm oh, proud of well, it. then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly one. one. Yep. I made it in the book and everything. It's pretty exciting. Did, what do they do? Do they just, did somebody show up or how do you get in the book? Uh, you can get into the book yourself by, or I, I think in the book, I'm not sure about the difference between the book versus like just getting a world record, but I know you can get a world record by submitting online, applying, you have to follow all their rules. It's kind of complicated. I got in by uh, going to a specific event that they were at and presenting them with like, this is what I want to do. And I want to break this record and then we did it. <laughs> so I think mine was a little easier actually than having to do it on your own. What was your, they were there. what's your record? My record is, <laughs> see if I can remember the exact title. It's kind of embarrassing. I think it's the, uh, most juggling tricks in one minute with three balls is the official title. But that sounds like, it doesn't sound like a, like one, you know how sometimes they have, most times someone hopped on one leg in the state of Michigan on a Tuesday. I mean, it doesn't sound like one of those. That sounds like a legitimate kind of, oh, that sounds actually pretty hard. <laughs> it does, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds impressive to me too. I, I, I set the record, so I didn't have to beat anyone else's record, but I did find it really difficult. Um, it, the hardest part about it was that a you had to come up with a lot of tricks, but as a juggler, you know I know a lot of tricks. I was prepared in that sense. But they had some rules about I had to say each trick as I did it, and that was actually the hardest because like speaking while you're juggling is a whole other skill in and of itself, and doing it under pressure and a time limit was really difficult. So every time I did a trick, I'd have to say you know half shower tennis like under the leg, like, <laughs> and I ended up getting. Uh, how many did I get? 39 tricks. Best movie about a juggler. 
about a juggler. Is there any more. movies about jugglers? <laughs> I don't think there's any movies about a juggler. Not that I've seen. <laughs> Maybe like made by a juggler, but no, no legit movie. There are a lot of movies with juggling in them. Uh, my favorite is The Jerk with Steve Martin. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Cat juggling. <laughs> He's great. Is, is there any, is there a worst movie with juggling in it? Like, is there a movie that jugglers hate? Oh. No, I, I would say like the biggest pet peeve maybe that I have heard of uh, or jugglers really hate when in cartoons there's juggling and they tend to show juggling as this like they'll be juggling seven balls or something but they'll be doing it in this big circle which is a juggling pattern but it they never make it look like the actual pattern and it it just looks impossible i mean it's really hard to to do that pattern and let alone with seven balls so it's just annoying because then what it does is it teaches like kids and all these people that this is what juggling looks like and it doesn't look at all like that that's a totally ridiculous pattern nobody does that (laughs) so i hear that complaint a lot like cartoons kind of mess us up (laughs) they ruin that people's expectations necessarily (laughs) exactly because every time you go to teach somebody how to juggle three balls they do this thing where they throw one up and then they pass it to the other hand and that's called a shower it's very difficult it's not what you should learn when you learn how to juggle and so jugglers hate it when shows or cartoons or whatever show it that way it's really annoying (laughs) that's not how that's how i thought you did it no no uh, the typical juggling pattern is i mean you can do it that way it's not wrong but it's much harder it's something you learn maybe like six months in it's not something you learn right at the beginning uh the typical pattern is called a cascade which is where each throw is going up in like a crossing way. So, yeah, it's not going in a circle where you're passing it from hand to hand. That's a different pattern. I always thought that's how you did it. That's how I always tried to. Like I threw it from one hand to the other and then threw it up. Yeah, that's that's probably why you never learned three because it's harder. And no, I, no, yeah, no, I know the Unless whole. You did. No, I know the whole secret. I knew where I now. I know where I've gone wrong in life. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just hard when you don't have like a teacher, right? Yeah. But and some people do teach themselves that way first. Like there are like one out of 2000 people who are like, oh, I learned this way and they can do it. But it's just so much harder that usually people can't get it. It's just fast and difficult. So the typical pattern is the cascade. You throw the right hand up, then you throw the left hand up, then you throw the right hand up, then the left hand. That's it. (laughs) It's very simple. Best joke about juggling. Best joke about juggling. Is there like a joke that other jugglers tell each other? There's like a meme page online where jugglers will do juggling memes now. But there's a joke that jugglers always hear that I think we all hate. And that's the one that says, how do you kill a clown? You go for the juggler. Uh, That's kind of (laughs) the jugular vein. Jugglers hate that joke because we hear it constantly. It's annoying. Yeah. It's it is just like ah. It is kind of good though. <laughs> it's good. It's clever, but we've heard it a thousand times. But typically, you know, instead we don't. I think our jokes revolve around inside jokes of funny things about you know famous jugglers and stuff. <laughs> what are like? Who's the most famous juggler? The most famous juggler, mm, like to non-jugglers or to jugglers? Yeah, like who would be the like. If you're going to pattern a career, you want to be like this person. 
Well, the best juggler historically, like in the world, in the universe, in existence, was Anthony Gatto. Uh, he's still alive. He doesn't juggle anymore, but he just hands down was the best. Nobody can touch him. He's just, he started juggling when he was like four and he's technically just able to do things that nobody else can touch. Uh, the second best is a juggler named Wes Peden. He's still juggling. He's amazing. He's very creative, very artistic. It's great. And those two are in a league of their own. Like it's hard to, to even get close to them. <laughs> best way that juggling has transitioned that's helped you in real life? That's hard. There's there's two big things that come to mind. I'm going to cheat and probably answer it twice. The first one is, for me, juggling really does improve your coordination. And because it's like throwing and catching, those are two very important things to other skills. Uh, as a result of getting really good at that, I'm really good at a lot of other things. It's kind of in the same sense that, like, you know, somebody who can hit a baseball is probably pretty good at also maybe hitting a tennis ball. Juggling is so relatable to so many other activities that usually when I pick up other activities, people are like, wow, you're so amazing and you learn so quickly. I think it's just because juggling is a really good thing to learn if you want to get good at anything. Uh, I think it's helped me, my coordination and my reaction time and all that stuff. So realistically, I think anyone who does sports or wants to like get good at coordination based things should learn how to juggle because it it really improves everything. And then the biggest thing for me personally, though, that it's helped me with is that uh, in high school, I was really, I had really low self-esteem and I was really shy and I had a hard time like talking to people. Um, and I, when I started going to juggling events, it sort of forced me out of that, that shyness and it, taught me like it made me feel like I had a community and it made me feel like I belonged because it was typically a lot of jugglers tend to be like antisocial or like socially awkward kind of weird kids and it really was great to find a group of people that understood me and kind of had that same mentality and that those same habits and I think it taught me how to connect with people and how to speak with people and I don't think I would be where I am now in terms of my career or social media or any of that if I didn't have like such a safe environment to to develop those social skills in. That's really all the questions I got. What's coming up next for you? I mean, we've been talking about my Instagram and my social media. If anyone wanted to go check it out, I, that would be fun. I, I love sharing my juggling if you want to check it out. My Instagram is at Taylor underscore tries. And I try new things and I, you know, try to teach other people things. So go check that out. It's fun. It's silly. It's awkward. It's cute. <laughs> I like it's I like I like how you throw in the awkward. It's awkward. It's fun. <laughs> but I think, oh, I'm very awkward. I, I embrace it. <laughs> how did you kind of come up with the whole Taylor tries thing? Was that just a natural evolution of it, or did you? Uh, I no, not really. I honestly. I got really depressed. I was struggling with depression for a while. I mean, I still have a hard time with it. It's ongoing. But uh, like a couple years ago, I was really at a low and I was having a hard time just getting anything done or getting out of bed. And so I knew what I loved. It was like juggling and I loved making videos and stuff. So I made a promise to myself that I was going to try to make something every day and like post it online, whether it was five seconds or a minute. 
And uh, I just, my goal is like, I'm just going to try. Like, it doesn't matter what I do. I don't have to succeed at it on video. I don't have to be great. I just have to post something. It's just got to be me doing something just to get me out of bed and feel like, you know, honestly, feel like I don't have to hate myself today. Like, that's was the mentality. Uh, and so I did, you know, I, I posted every day for a year and a half. And what I found was it really helped me uh, psychologically. Like, it got me, it made me realize that, like, I can make progress every day, even if it's just with 10 seconds, um, you know getting out of bed is worth it. <laughs> so yeah, that's how Taylor tries came up. It was just try something today. <laughs> oh, I think that's a fantastic message for people, by the way. You know? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I really want to start talking more about that. Honestly, like if I do end up doing any sort of juggling performance, it will probably incorporate that because I, I think it's really important. And I know a lot of people struggle with it and I know I still struggle with it. It's hard. Mental health is hard. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think the old kind of stigma about it is like, well, it's just in your head. Yeah, but that's the worst place it could be. You know? Yeah. That's the- <laughs> I mean, it's all in our head, right? Yeah. Like everything we're experiencing is um, just inputted information in our brains. I want to thank Taylor so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have also included her information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. You got to check out her Instagram. You can see a lot of these videos, and I think that you can you can instantly see, I think, why her story has resonated with so many people, and it's really cool to watch the juggling. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call, who may have a big announcement. Hello. Well, man, don't delay. Tell us what you got. What do you, what do you want? You tell me what you need. I got what you need. I, I want to know what kind of car you bought. <laughs> uh, it's a lease, and uh, I had a terrain. And I, I went one, I guess it's a minor step above, but it's really just because I need the more seats. Because for some God-forsaken reason, I can create children, but uh, uh, I went with an Acadia. Wow, that is incredibly boring. I needed the space, and I needed something that was reasonable. It's not necessarily what I wanted. Did you haggle? Haggle. I'm not entirely... What do you mean? Did so I like- ob- okay, so obviously you didn't haggle. You just went in there and paid whatever price that they had on the sticker, or did you go in there and try to negotiate? Oh, no. I. Uh, this is my fourth dealership. Because of bad credit or because of something else? <laughs> uh, could have been because of bad credit, but uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I will. I will. I mean, no. no in all seriousness, it's just I kind of knew a vehicle I wanted, and I mean, listen, salesmen have to do what they have to do. But I like to think, believe it or not, I kind of know when I'm t- being taken around, and I will give the dealership that I went with a lot of credit. Because the salesperson I got was like, listen, I'm not going to pressure you. I don't even care if you get a car, to be honest. I just want you to be happy. That's a bold-faced lie right there. I would have turned (laughs) around and walked away because that person's lying. He doesn't give a shit if you're happy or not. You think that person's never (laughs) talking to you again. He suckered you in. You probably paid at least two grand more for that car than you should have because you were like, oh, this guy's a nice guy. Well, it, well, it's a lease, first off, so it's just a, a monthly payment, and, you know, it's 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 fine. It's it's. 
Uh, you know what? I don't have any other questions to ask you. I'm a little I bit. I have a question for you, actually. Okay. Did uh, Did you do something? Today's Monday. Uh, did you do something today, uh, wardrobe wise, that you didn't realize? I did. Do Do you want to care to tell? In case people don't follow you on social media, do you want to fill everybody in? Uh, so basically, what the story is is yesterday. I washed something, my coat that I wear to work and that I wear on the bus. Public shout out to public transportation, Seattle. It's great. Uh, and I washed it along with my wife's stuff. And I didn't realize that her underwear, a pair of her black panties, got stuck to the hood of my jacket and was dangling down the entire day. I just thought people were maybe checking me out because I've been lifting. But apparently that's not the reason. So basically, I spent seven to eight hours at work and in downtown Seattle, parading around with my wife's underwear hanging off my hood. So there, there's two things that immediately like just glare out to me that I have to bring up. One, I'm proud of you and surprised that you do your own laundry. I'm actually pretty good at it. I've done it for a long time. I'm independent man. Well, that's to be determined. And two, like, was there at any point where you were – like did you did you notice it at all? And you just you're just like, oh, this must yeah, be yeah. I noticed it. I I noticed it, and then I just said, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna walk around with my wife's underwear hanging off my head. No, dude. Of course I didn't notice it. Oh uh, well. That raises a really interesting question as to how much people dislike me that no one would have pointed this out. If if somebody doesn't know you, you know, I mean, even at your work. Well, that's not true. I would think your coworkers would have been like, hey. You have a pair of panties uh, stuck to your jacket. Who do you think that people would just look at and dislike more, me or you? You, for sure. Yeah, I think so, too. I think just by the general look of me, people would dislike me more than you. You kind of look like an asshole at first glance. I could see that. I could see that. I kind of have that general kind of don't talk to me, I'm a dickhead look. Like Napoleon Syndrome kind of thing? We've gone over this. I know he was five foot seven, which back then was actually considered tall or something. And he's actually five six back then. French units, shout out to France, baby. <laughs> All six listeners, yeah, yeah. Parlez-vous. I don't know what that means, but I think <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. Um, listen, are you ready for your segment? Social, social media shout out. Sure, let's do it. Let's. Uh... Cue the band. Do we, am I getting a band yet, or is that still in the budget? Like to work it out. No. Anyways, uh, appreciate y'all following us, uh, liking, commenting, hating on Nick, whatever you're gonna do. Uh, so let's start with uh, Vaughn Anthony Rufat. Sure, I completely ruined that. I think. Wait, that's, that's his whole name. Yeah, it's uh, an Instagram follower of ours. That's a good name. He must be I'm important. I'm sure, <laughs> sure I butchered it but we'll i'll say it again uh rufat um crystal sarah sheila maggie kathy joel david and jay klein so would you take that as a compliment if someone said you were an ugly brad pitt uh i don't think so uh well that's a that's a great question what what if they said uglier like you're an uglier brad pitt I'd be like, how ugly? And then I think if you put it on a scale from one to ten, if you're anything over like half, like even a four and a half, like if they say, well, you're like a you're like a four and a half Brad Pitt, I'd say, nope, we need to be a five or above. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah, I, I feel like an ugly Brad Pitt 
would be an insult, an uglier Brad Pitt would be like, oh, okay, well, looking good today. I, <laughs> I mean, if somebody came up to me and was like, hey, you know, you're uh, you're all right looking. You're kind of like a, a larger version of Leonardo DiCaprio. I'd be like, all right, well, I'll take that. That's a compliment. Then if someone came up to me and was like, hey, you kind of look like Chevy Chase, but not the 1980s Chevy Chase. For people who have never seen John, all you have to know, this is, it's Samuel Tarley from Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, yes, the top half for sure, but, you know, I still do my calf raises every morning, so. You don't think he's got good calves? <laughs> Let's see if I can find a picture of that guy's calves. Oh, my God. Okay, you go on to your thing. I'm going to find a picture of whoever that guy is, his calves. All right, so, uh, so your first question is, is when you're cleaning up around the house, what do you hate more? Uh, to pick up or clean dog hair or dust oh dog hair man i fucking hate dog hair it's impossible like you get a good vacuum that should be the sole measurement of a good vacuum is dog hair specifically off a carpet yeah i can't i can't stand dog hair and we uh last year we adopted this great pyrenees and he just I swear he, like, sheds out a blanket every week. It's insane. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, I think this one will be a little tougher for you. Uh, you have to pick one and spend at least three hours there. A honky-tonk bar dressed up as a cowboy or a gothic rave where you're dressed as a gothic person. Ooh. Oh, I think probably the honky-tonk, right? Because <laughs> at least the honky-tonk, you could kind of just do it ironically after a while. And the point of this question being, this is kind of neither of John's personalities. If this is your personality and your thing, then obviously, you know, do you do you. But it's it's not necessarily where I would be hanging out. Like, I'd go to a goth rave for a solid hour, but I don't think I would be dressed like that. Like, it just takes too much work. Have you ever been to a, to a rave? I'm sure, I, hell, we might have stumbled into one by accident. Yeah, dude, I've done meth. Or wait, no, not meth. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've done. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Crystal meth is that different than meth? Yeah, yeah. I've done. I've 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 had a beer before. I mean, that's what I meant to say. Uh, the, the inconsequentially, the actor who plays Samuel Tarley is John Bradley. I cannot find a picture of his calves. <laughs> Probably because they don't. It doesn't exist, and for good reason. Well, nobody's taking a good calf shot. So if anybody can get a good calf shot of John Bradley, I'd appreciate that. To compare <laughs> all of our Game of Thrones uh, actors and actresses who listen to the show, we actually do have a couple, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to Sophie Turner. Yep. Um, Wait, which right, now uh, she doesn't listen. Well, who knows? Maybe she does. You have to uh, eat one of these uh, uh, expired bread or expired yogurt. Oh, come on, dude! Expired bread—that's easy. I don't want to fuck around with yogurt, man. You mess around with old dairy. That's just not a good day. I may or may not have eaten a yogurt that was uh, dated for like near Christmas time, like less than five days ago. That's not bad, though. I thought you were going to say like Christmas of last year. <laughs> no, I think at that point it would just be one clump of curdled milk. Uh, are you ready for our top five? Let's uh, let's do it. Favorite uh, favorite times of the day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I still can't find a picture of John Bradley's calves. I really would have thought I would have been able to find. Nobody's taking a picture of his legs. How is this even possible? <laughs> I don't think it's that common. I think there's a lot of actors and actresses that you would try to find a picture 
of their calves and you wouldn't be able to find it. Okay, name me an actor, not super famous, and I'll see if I can find a picture of their calves right now. Tim Allen. Ooh, good one. Nice. See if we can find a picture of Tim Allen's calves. <laughs> Such an awkward... By the way, this is uh, the calf uh, episode uh, presented to you by Finally Pointless. Uh, Ray Allen's calves come up. Ray Allen has fantastic calves. Yeah, but he was a basketball player forever. Of course he's going to have... Yeah, but usually tall calves. guys don't have great calves. I think he's like six, well, six, six is still pretty he's tall. Quite tall. Uh, there's a l- unusual amount of pictures of Ray Allen's calves. Shout out to Ray <laughs> Allen for some good calves. Tim Allen, man, hit the gym. <laughs> also, no pictures like- of Tim Allen's calves. Okay. We should probably move on from this whole discussion. You might just want to close the laptop and let's just focus on the top yeah, five. Yeah, let's just move on. Uh, so our top five, like John already said, potentially I wasn't listening, is top five times of the day. And I didn't go generic times. I went specific, like 30-minute increments. What did you do? Oh, wow. I just went like times of day, like generic. Okay. Well, that's not what we're doing. You said times of day. Yeah, you didn't time specify, specify any specific time. You just said time of uh, time. Of okay, the day. how would I specify the difference between a time of the day and a time of the day? You could have said like exact times. But I'm not exact times. Would be like twelve o two, twelve o three. I thought this was fine. It's fine. I, I I I can still make my list work with what I had put down. It's okay, fine. well then I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Let's hear number five. All right. So my number five will be eight o'clock at night. Okay, so 8 p.m. All right, that's 8 legi- p.m. Because in the summer, usually that's when the sun's starting to go down, um, and it's just awesome. You know, it's just it's just a good time. Eight o'clock is like a good solid time to either like get ready to start, you know, shutting down the night, or sometimes you're just picking it up. See, that's why I actually had that around that time as my number four. Now I put that at 8:30 p.m. I feel okay. like 8.30 p.m. is actually a better time than 8 because it's either a nice sunset late in the summer or that's when you really start to get going. Like, all right, we're going out. <laughs> 8 o'clock, you're probably still watching TV. 8.30, you're hitting – you're starting to seriously pre-drink. Like you might have your pants on for the night. <laughs> like some like some chicken wing shots almost. Exactly, baby. Best shot in the world besides Grand Marnier. Uh, my number five is uh, 12 p.m. I'm a fan of the lunch hour. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't have that on. Actually, you'll notice with most of my times, uh, there isn't a whole lot in the middle of the day. Yeah, I agree with that because you're at work. It's kind of miserable. That's really my only one. That's the middle of the. That's really my only middle of the day time is 12 p.m. What's your number four? I have uh, morning specifically, like uh, like 6 a.m. ish. Wow, that's, that's that's pretty early. That's kind of like when I'm getting ready to start the day, you know, I'm, I'm getting things prepped and, uh, you know, you just feel good. Like you always feel good when you wake up and then it's like downhill from there. Yeah, that's why I feel like you should actually have that higher. Don't you get up really early and then just sit around and do nothing? <laughs> I do. And actually, um, we'll get to that in, in, a, in a couple of answers, I think. I don't know. That makes no sense why you get up two hours and just sit there and don't do anything. Uh, go Give me your number three. Uh, so my number three, I have like uh, evening, but more specifically like the, between five and six because I'm getting out of work. I'm going home. I'm seeing the family. 
you know, like in, in five to six is, you know, it's like, oh man, the day's kind of behind me, but now I get to have family time. That's like, that's just a, that's an awesome time. Okay, so I want specifics. Are you going five o'clock? You going five thirty? You going six o'clock? Uh, I will go six o'clock. Okay, I feel like that's a little bit too late. Uh, I'll get into that later. My number three is twelve thirty a.m. Okay. I've, I've, um, I, I feel like that's a good like if you're out. That's a good time. That's before everybody's too drunk. That's where everybody's right in that kind of nice drunkness where they're either like that. That's the good drunk, right? That's everybody's dancing. Everybody's taking shots. That's a good time. That's not 2 a.m. puking on the side of the street. So I, I'll piggyback on that. I have 1.30 a.m. as my number two, specifically because in most states, 2 o'clock is like, you know, when the bar starts shutting down and 1.30 comes around and you're like, I'm really hungry. It's going to be, I'm going to go get some food. See, I think that's too, I think that's too late, man. I think 1230 is the better time. I think 1230 is prime fun time, really. It is for, for many things. You never know. You never know what the night's going to throw at you. It's true. Usually it's at home on a solo joy ride. (laughs) Which side of the plate do you hit from? Both Uh, sides. I was talking about playing Mario Kart. Oh, I was talking about playing uh, baseball. No big deal. Okay. Uh, what the hell number are we on? You're on. We're on number two. You're number oh, two. Oh, my number two is. I don't really like my number two, but I put five p.m. because that's kind of the end of the day. Really, five p.m. on Friday is what I'm thinking about. But generally, five p.m. end of that workday is kind of is it's a good time. Yeah, but I, but for most of us, like five p.m. like our workday is over, but then. Right, like the—that's the, when life really kicks in because you're with your family or whatever. You're with whoever. Like I think it's, it's more like just celebrating that, like, hey, work's over. Yeah, pretty much. It's amazing that you know? we basically spend eight hours a day not liking our lives. <laughs> I mean, it's really longer than that if you think about it. Yeah, you could you could have an hour on the front end, hour on the back end. So basically, we spend ten hours of our day of normally a sixteen to seventeen hour waking day. We spend more than half of it not liking it, which is incredibly depressing, and we should probably just move on. Yeah, we well, got to start uh, living for the moment more. Okay, anyway, we should just move on. Uh, what's your number? Are you on number one? Yeah, so my number one, you kind of hit on it early, uh, earlier, is uh, the super early morning, which is like 4 a.m. 4 to like 5 a.m. for me. What the hell are you thinking? That's when, you know, that's, that's when I, I get up usually, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like getting the day ready. Like I said, 6 a.m. earlier is like when I start to do stuff, like as you were making fun of me earlier. And as I've talked about, like those two hours or an hour and a half, whatever it is, is like that's my time. Like that's just my time. No one bothers me. Families, you know, doing what they need to do. Like that's just my time. I don't understand, though, why you don't do that at night and then sleep in a little bit later. Because I'd rather go to bed early and get up uh, early. And go to bed late and get up late. If that makes that, I mean, that makes either, sense. Either, either is fine. I would just rather rise early than you know stay in bed. I feel like I, I agree with your sentiments. Like I like the hope of a new day. That's why I'm going to go with seven a.m. Seven a.m. is my probably favorite time of the day. Like that's for most people, right? I mean, I, I don't know what the generic like wake up time would be, but I feel like seven a.m. is a good roundabout time, like for people to start their day and things like that okay what's your honorable mention as i said earlier i didn't really have any midday 
I mean, I, you know, I had like six p.m., but I put I, I put one thirty because at one thirty, most of us are already well into like the second half of our workday. If you work like day side shifts, see, I could do I could understand a two thirty on that, but one thirty to me is like, oh shit, I still got three and a half hours left of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think like during your day, what what is what what are the hours when like the clock just doesn't move? Like when you look at the clock and you're like, man, it's still, you know, whatever, it's still noon. Like, I would say two hours into the shift, between two and four hours into the shift is when that clock just doesn't move at all. And then the last hour of your shift is when that clock doesn't move at all. My job's kind of reverse. Like, it's usually super busy. There's only like maybe an hour, and it's from like noon to one where you're like, well, we're kind of getting through the day fast, but and then next thing you know, it's you know five o'clock and you're ready to go home. Yeah, I feel like that that day will for me. I get, I'm in at seven thirty, and from about nine thirty to eleven thirty, that fucker's just ticking. Like I can count <laughs> the seconds in my head, and then it's over right after that. Um, the only honorable mention, I guess, would be like two thirty. I don't. I don't mind a nine p.m. I'm okay with a nine p.m. But other than that, I mean. Basically, between ten and three to me is kind of worthless. Nothing. That's just meeting. That's like meeting time. Like, oh. I have on here ten thirty at night. If if I do stay up, like you know, ten thirty is just one of those times at night where you're usually chilling, or by then you've had a few drinks in you and you're feeling pretty well. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I've noticed that some people have been leaving more and more reviews and some of them have been pretty funny. So so definite kudos there. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. We got our website, social media, all that kind of stuff. We've got, I think we've got some pretty good episodes coming up. I think that a lot and some of them have turned out. Mm. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.